Hey, this is Heine Sakharaisen from Divino, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I am your host. It's uh, Paul Kemp. This is the show where we go around the world and just speak to fascinating app entrepreneurs that can take us to different places. Uh, so if you are building an app, if you are uh, working for your own company or your, your own boss or just dabbling in apps, then this is the show for you. I've got 538 episodes for you to catch up on. You can just go to your favorite podcasting app, search Paul Kemp, and you'll see the archives in there. And you can get all that free content to go back through my archives. Uh, but let me talk about today's episode. I've gone through a wonderful journey over the last few years, getting more into mindfulness. So when I was introduced to this next guest, uh, I was fascinated to talk to him. He came through my network. And we're going to talk about uh, mindfulness, uh, his app, and uh, all the things associated with that. Uh, his name is uh, Derek Lawless, and he is the founder and the creator of Mind Bliss. Uh, so Derek, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you so much, Paul. I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So here we go. Let's talk about Mind Bliss. Uh, you know, uh, before we talk about the app, uh, actually, let's talk about s s sort of mindfulness anyway, the, the start of your journey. How did you get into mindfulness, Derek? Like meditation and mindfulness? Yes, I am. Um uh, to me, it, it was never something that I named. I, I was always a little bit of a recluse um, in in my early teenage years, and I would spend a lot of time in nature. And that's where I gained um, uh, fresh perspective and it ground myself, kind of centering myself, relaxed, and um, a step away from from the noise, from school, from from small issues in my life at the time. And it really, it really helped me growing, being so, so close to nature. And, but over the course of my, uh, my professional career, I uh, became driven by, for other things, uh, financial wealth or, um, uh, status. And I was sidetracked from, uh, having this, this powerful tool, being able to, uh, go in na in nature and reconnect with a deeper part of myself, uh, and that's when I, uh, in in the moment of stress and struggle, that I was introduced to some meditation audios, and I it became became a fascination because I felt it was such a powerful, easy way to transmit these positive messages, and it reminded me, reminded me a lot of just sitting in nature as I was when I was a young, young boy. You know, you know, Derek, so many of us, uh, me included, uh, actually get lost in our own uh, thoughts. You know, we do go uh, on a lot of mind wandering and stress and, you know, all the daily pressures of work and commuting and uh, people involved in our lives. Uh, how important is it to kind of get some, perspective and, and get into meditation you know for today's society i think the most powerful question that that you can answer um in meditation is is what's really important to you and and, and just taking 10 minutes five minutes 20 minutes 
in the morning uh, to not wake up and go straight into answering messages on your phone or answering emails or, or grabbing your cup of coffee, get on with your busy life. But instead, you're, you're taking a moment um, to not let any of those things distract you from just being. And it, it sounds sounds a bit vague, but this sense of just taking some time to be with yourself for 10 minutes uh, would allows a lot of people, and that's why I think a lot of people meditate, uh, 20, over 25 million, 24 million meditators in, in the U.S., um, to, to find out, okay, what is maybe the most important thing I should focus on today? Maybe it's... Um, Maybe it's not all these emails. Maybe it's, you know what, this insight and this today's meditation is that I need to go for a walk. I need to take better care of myself, of my health. I need to call my mother. You'll have, um, to me anyway, I get a lot of powerful insights that help me take better care of the things that are truly important to me, not just the things that other people tell me is important or uh, a new TV advertisement tell me it's important. Uh, really feel into what's, what's important to me. You know, I'm talking to you actually by coincidence on my one-year anniversary of using the app Headspace. And uh, I, I first found out about the app through his uh, TED Talk. And, uh, and, and so... I don't. When when did you start thinking about mind bliss? Because you must have seen the success of Headspace and thought, ah, oh, right, I'm into meditation. I, I can have a piece of that action. How how did you kind of, you know, think about competing with Headspace and getting into the app space? I see. Yes, I see it very differently. So what? what um, I think it's wonderful how uh, Andy and Headspace are able to. Um, to, to spread the message of mindfulness meditation at the scale that they have done. And uh, it actually makes my job a lot easier um, because many people have had an introduction with them. And what we are trying to do that's a little bit different is have a broader diversity of content from many different teachers, from many different world-class teachers, with massive followings and and super high quality content, um, that's that's the key difference that we have with with Headspace. Uh, so H- Andy Andy is amazing. Whenever you feel like you want a female voice instead of a male voice, you want to practice your breath training instead of uh, practicing a mindfulness exercise, then then Mindbliss is a better solution for that. When Another point that we're heavily focused on is content recommendation. And this is going to become, I believe, is going to become very important in the future uh, to, to build a relationship between the content that we consume and how it affects us, really. And if I'm stuck on a 10-day, a, a not, not stuck, or, or if I'm pursuing a 10-day uh, program, uh, on an app, then it doesn't give much flexibility to variations in how the content might affect your own psychological, emotional well-being. So this is what we are really passionate about. How do we determine 
how these meditation sessions, how these, um, uh, this, this content that so much love and positive intention has been put into it. What is the actual effect on your psychological and emotional well-being? Does it even change your physiology on a measurable level? And if so, can we use these factors to recommend you even better content? So that's what we have been doing. We've been doing it now mainly with, um, with content based. So meaning uh, the, the type of content and type of characteristics that define the content and using that to, uh, predict what you might enjoy more or feel better about and also using uh, a collaborative approach with other users. So by grouping our, our members into different groups with similar consumption patterns, we can recommend better and more effective content. So, so yeah, I was going to ask Derek, uh, you know, like there's a lot of people listening to this who are starting out their own app journeys and we'd love to learn from you. So wh where were you when you came up with the idea of an app. Were you working for another company? Were you on a meditation retreat? You know, talk, talk about the start of your journey with, uh, you know, when you first came up with MindBliss. Yeah, for sure. I, I love I love apps. I love. I'm not a huge consumer of apps. I just love how one app can make such a big difference in someone's life when it's the right app for the right person. And as, and there's like a there's a power in it and a. You can, because it's so close to a person. Our phone is the closest device that most people have. Most people don't have a smartwatch yet. So it's the closest device that we interact with. So if you build software for it, it's the closest software to a person's personal life. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. So, uh, but for, but before that, I think it's more important. Um, I, I was, I was excited about the audios. Like the, the audios is the number one thing that got me excited about um, starting a business and seeing how well these audios affect people. That was the question. That's the, that's the question we're on a mission to solve. And so, or the problem we're, we're on a mission to solve. So this came before an app. The app is the second thought thinking, okay, we are going to deliver value. What channel will we use to deliver this value? And you, can, you can't pick all the channels because you'll just fail at all of them. So you have to pick, you have to be, you have to decide one. And for us, we felt like be, being on a platform, being on a, on a phone that's so close to someone's life, they'll be able to interact with our content on a deeper level. And that's what triggers us to build, build an app. So your personal situation then, were you working? Because the reason I ask is so many people listening to this, the Appster tribe, do you find it challenging to, you know, actually go all in on their ideas? Uh, so for instance, did you have to quit something to start this project? Um, I was working, I was working as a marketing consultant. So I was kind of already had my own small business. Um there's two, um, I mean, everyone has the kind of different answer to this. I, so I was, I, I, um, we, we raised a little bit of money from, from, uh, friends and family to, in order to build this project. It's a small, 
not not people that I had known for a long time, um, people that I had met in conferences, meditation related conferences, and and working with friends on different projects, and they knew me, they knew the work that I had done, uh, so we had a bit of a relationship, and they were interesting in, in pursuing this mission with us. Uh, so that that helped quite a bit when when I received this bit of funding, we I, I stopped doing consulting. Uh, looking back, it's uh, a good and bad decisions. There's no reason for it because it was it, I did enjoy it. Um, I just wanted to focus all in onto this app project. And I recommend probably number one thing to anyone starting an app is what is the problem that they're solving for? Who are they solving it for? Where, where are those people? Can you talk to them? If you can talk to 5, 10, 20, 30 people um, before actually doing anything, before quitting your job, before raising money from an investor, identify the problem well. Don't, don't try to uh, push the problem onto, onto other people, uh, saying like, oh, do you have a problem with this? So they might, they're probably going to say yes, right? Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah, I do have a you know, hard time uh, getting motivated to meditate or whatever. Just, just ask, ask people what, what their main issues are or in, in, in a community of people that you want to serve, what their problems are. And then find a solution. If there's a gap in the market, then find, find a solution for this problem. And then, and then offer it to people. So there's a lot of work that can be done before quitting a job. Uh, finding who you're going to serve and how you're going to serve them are two great questions that can, that can already be answered before taking a leap. And uh, just knowing, knowing those answers uh, make, make all the difference. That's fantastic advice. Again, uh, I don't prompt any of the guests, but the big theme of this show is focusing on a problem. You're one of the few people to actually you know, remind us that it's important to talk to the potential users before we even do anything. And I often think we forget that. And you must have learned so much in those early days of just chatting to, you know, like-minded people. And how, how did you find the right people to talk to uh, about the, the, you know, your idea? Um, I, I, I would, at the time I was sharing a lot of audios with Friends, so I knew we were consuming these these audios, and so I had a lot of feedback on the audios themselves. And there wasn't any platform or apps that were offering these audios on a subscription basis. So that was my um, my first insight into the market was, oh wow, the, all these people that I know are consuming these types of audios. We're sharing with them through a Dropbox file, and it it seemed to have a very great positive impact impact on all of us and but there's no apps that that curate this type of content so maybe I should build one and then the seed uh, the seed was in my mind from that point on wonderful and uh, you know I'm actually thinking that uh, curation is one of the big challenges right now. You know, what, what were the other challenges then? So you set up the uh, business, you had some funding, you identified a problem, a gap in the market. What, what would you say for, you know, as you're talking to, may, maybe you've just bumped into someone in, in a conference and they're just starting out on their app journey where you were a few years ago. 
what what, what um, challenges do you think they have along the way that, that you had uh, along the way on your app journey? Um, a, a difficult part that I see is uh, the way the way apps are being distributed. It's not it's not not that liquid in a sense that people will have to go on the app store and uh, and download an app. There's there's still a bit of a barrier between. Um, between people consuming the content you have on your app or your features, and uh, they have to go to a store to download it, log into the store, make sure you know. There's a few additional steps from example, uh, sh- showing this value on a website where you just click and you you have the value right away. So I feel like that's where the biggest the biggest challenge is. You have someone has to download an app and then they have to do additional actions to to for them to receive value compared to a website that you have two or three less clicks or maybe maybe more and those clicks count because if you market a product for example if you drive traffic with ads then the first click goes to um, either a landing page or the app store page and then the people, so so you you have as only a certain number. You have a conversion rate on this page, and then from that, there's only maybe ninety percent of people that actually open the app. So you lose another small percentage there, and then uh, and and so on and so forth. So that that's the challenge: is how can you create value right away when someone opens the app? The first, the first experience, trying to try to show show value as soon as possible uh, to mitigate these extra steps that they have to take to get there. So, so it's interesting because you've raised money from friends and family, which I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people who've done that as well, and that's really scary because the money is so important. Uh, you know, you don't want to lose the the money they've given you. How how did you? cope with the stress of using that money and, and where did you end up kind of how did you split it up between marketing and paying developers and all the other costs associated with you know building out an app business yeah about about 50 percent was for development and and 50 percent was for marketing but i i had some huge missteps in development we, uh, I was trying to do everything at once. Android, web platform, iOS. It's, it's a bit of a. I, I personally recommend against it. I recommend just sticking to one platform for now. If you're just starting out and winning with that platform, so if you start out with iOS, then really, really do it well, and then go to Android and and then to web, or depending on what your product is. So we, I wasted, I. Not wasted, but I, I experimented with other solutions, tech stacks, before that allowed me to have all these products at the same time. And it didn't give uh, the same rich experience that you get from going full native on iOS and Android. So that I, I wasn't satisfied with the, uh, with the, the results, so I... I changed and I rebuilt. We, we started it over again and rebuilt the app. So that was... That was kind of a costly exercise. Um, there will be, you're going to make mistakes. That's for sure. I, I think that's our job is to just experiment. If you're, 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 our roles as a business owners, um, when you, 
is to provide value to someone. That's it. You know, we, we want to we wanna provide value. So if we really focus on who we're providing value for and we try to do it, that's all, all we have in mind, you know, is to provide, provide value for that person. And along the way, we're bound to make plenty of mistakes, but we just continue. We really, every day you wake up and you ask the question, like, how can I delight my customers even more today by providing them 10 times more value, 100 times more value, and, and then plan those ideas out and test them out, um, and you don't quit, you, you won't fail. And Derek, what sort of metrics are you looking at then uh, right now in terms of the success of your app? or apps or various apps you have, are there any particular metrics that you think are the most important to focus on? It sounds like conversion. Yeah, that we're, we're still, uh, we're still very small so that, um, revenue, revenue is big for us. Um, we focus on, we focus on conversion rate, but, but most more important is a re- monthly, monthly retention. So, we have uh, one of the core metrics in apps that I w- that anyone should look at in their app is day one, three, and seven retention rate. So how how what's what's that curve look like in the first seven days of use, and how are people engaging with it? There's usually uh, changing some parts of the activation. Depending on what the app does, will have a very uh, good positive impact. Uh, the activation being like the first time user experience and see how, how well you're communicating, how well the user can perceive the value that you're offering in the first minute or first time using the app. So that's an important one. Um, and then once they become, so we, and then from there, we look at how many of those people convert into a paid member of our subscription product. We have a subscription product, but. We, um, and then from there, we look at uh, how how long they're staying with us. So on average, are, are they staying a year, two years? Who's uh, why are they leaving? If if they are, there's a percentage of you'll always get a, a percent of the percentage of churn. So look at what's causing the churn. Why are people um, ask them uh, when people cancel your, their subscription. Ask them, hey, did you like your experience? Uh, here's a two-minute survey. I'd love your feedback. Um, sorry, you ha- you you had to go, but if you ever come back, here's a fifty percent discount on your Mindbliss subscription, or something like that. Whatever this information that you would get directly from your customers is a, a thousand times more important than than getting the next customer. You know, that's fascinating. Just to summarize what I've learned from you there is that the core metrics uh, and actually something we often forget is revenue. And, uh, you know, we I mean, look at the big companies like Snapchat, you know, they just did not think of revenue for years. And uh, so, yeah, revenue, retention rates uh, and actually conversion to a paid subscription. I'm guessing, uh, you know, you didn't want to give away your content for free uh, to try and get some traction. You decided to go for paid subscriptions, uh, str- you know, straight away, which sounds like a, a fascinating uh, idea. Uh, and yeah, uh, so 
Um, but the number one yeah. metric that we actually follow on a daily basis is how many minutes of meditation do we provide? Because ultimately, that's the metric that's closest, more closely related to the value that we offer. Are people enjoying what we are offering? Are people enjoying our service? Uh, do they see value in us? If they do, they'll be consuming. So they, that's the number one metric that in the end, uh, if we do a good job at improving this metric, everything else will fall into place. Uh, yeah, and I, I do recall one of the past episodes uh, talked about toothpaste apps. Uh, and this reminds me of that, which is a, a toothpaste, you, uh, you use it every day. And so, you know, this this is an app that you want people to use daily or certainly weekly in terms of uh, getting the best from it. Uh, Derek, um, yeah, so we're just, uh, before we say goodbye to you then in the last few minutes, uh, has your journey been worth it then? If you were to go back to your former self and go back to where you started the journey just before you quit being a marketing consultant, would you say to yourself, you know, yes, it's been worth it, or actually, uh, I wish I hadn't started on this journey because it's so hard. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely worth it. And anything that you try to accomplish will be will take effort, and and the the pleasure becomes the effort, uh, and and the, from that, then you can accomplish even more because you've seen what it takes to put effort into something. So I hope that the, the challenge keep coming up and I become a stronger and better person from it. Yeah, how do you get uh, rewarded? Or let me just frame it this way, because there's a lot of people who get uh, disappointed with um, you know, the contribution they're making to the, their own lives. And uh, you know, we often get neglect you know kind of disappointed because the app doesn't perform as we would want it to we're not getting millions of downloads we're competing with facebook and instagram and all this sort of stuff how do you feel what what i mean how do you frame success what is success to you is it profit is it how much you know you make or is it the contribution that you're bringing and, and the, the changes you're making in the world to people's lives the success success is not an external measure it's an internal measure do you feel happy with who you are if not who do you become to be and how much effort are you putting in yourself to become that person and uh, to me that's an endless journey and i feel successful now uh, i think the secret is to be grateful for all the wonderful things that we're given in this world and then just build on this gratitude to uh, have more and more positive impact on other people by becoming ourselves better people. I love the way you framed that because, and, and that's an important message to the audience, to the apps, to tribe is, you know, be happy internally. If we can, I mean, we can be happy internally any, anywhere. Uh, and so, uh, I, I feel like that's a very important um, aspect, you know, because we often get uh, sort of misled to think that also success is that we have a multi-million dollar business and the app is exploding around the world and we're famous and all this sort of stuff. And 
Uh, I feel like there's a lot of people who find it tough when they come into this industry. You know, they're they're not instant celebrities. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe the question to ask is that if it took ten years, would you still do it? Right. If you took ten years to get to be successful with this new project that we are starting, would you still do it? This is what frustrates me with the the, the press, the PR, the the news. It's the, the, everyone thinks it's just instant success. You know, they they look at all these stories of uh, all these kids that are you know suddenly rich, and um, the same is happening with cryptocurrencies. They're, they're p- 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 sort of pulling stories of instant overnight millionaires and all this sort of stuff, and it, and it gives people the false. Uh, perception because we know having i've interviewed 538 people before you founders and it's very 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 rare that you get an overnight success it, it, yeah five-year ten-year plan is the typical thing and then you um, you you uh you might you look behind the veil and you see oh okay maybe their app became successful in one year or and then you look at their journey before that uh, they might have had other challenges over the last 10, 15 years that helped them be very successful in that challenge. So when it's your first app, when it's your third app, and you don't just worry about keep increasing the level of value that we provide to real people on a daily basis and do that for 10 years and you uh, you'll be a, a great, a very successful person. Oh, Derek, that's great. And, you know, I love the um, the whole explosion of smartphones because it is a personal device. I would never have got into meditation 10 years ago, uh, but now with phones in our pocket and the ability to just meditate in the morning uh, just by picking up our phone and putting our headphones on uh, is... Uh, I think is one of the reasons why uh, mindfulness and gratefulness and, and uh, meditation has become so prevalent in the Western culture, certainly. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. Well, Derek, how can people best reach out to you and connect? What's the best way of getting in touch? Uh, you guys can send me an email at uh, D-E-R-I-K at mindbliss.com or uh, visit our website, mindbliss.com and... Um, I'm always uh, always available to chat. Terrific, Derek. I, I wish you all the best with the future of mindfulness. Uh, sorry, mind well, mindfulness within mind bliss, and uh, all the best. Thanks a lot for coming awesome. on the show. Thank you so much, Paul. This was fun. <laughs>